you just finished up with your redraft and now you're wondering what to do. Instead of investing in best ball, which I feel like you should, but it's that time to get into actual DFS. No more redrafts. It's that time. And today we're going over the top tips to win at Daily Fantasy Football. Hit that intro, baby. DFS Deli. I am the proprietor whore of this delicatessen, Sully Ali Shahid, and I am joined tonight on what we are here to do. DFS. Chili, welcome back to work. How are you tonight? Man, I'm pretty good. You know, it's, it's always good to be back in the deli, uh, ready to get the shift on and, you know, take on the crowd. That's right. How was your How was your off season? Were you Was that Was that Was that itch getting too big to scratch? Are you ready to just get into DFS? Are you, Are you ready? It only like it only gets too big to scratch like once June hits, like because I'm just like man, like we're all over baseball, NBA Finals just ends, and we're just like come on, ready to win some money. That's right. I think like it really hits me when the major sites dropped their prices. So as uh, as of this recording, both FanDuel and DraftKings have released their week one prices. And one of the one of the things I really want to harp on as we get into talking about DFS is how soft week one prices are. And you know the exact reason for that, correct? Uh, I mean, I mean, because for the most part, I would, I would think it's just, you know, they don't know. They're, they're guessing. Like we're guessing, Chili. The answer is simple, and I'm and I'm glad I'm glad you don't actually know the answer to that because I'm going to give you the answer right now. Just like I'm going to give the listeners the answer. The answer is promotion. They want as many people on their site at the beginning of the season to retain them as customers through the end of the season. So they bring out soft prices. Yes, some of it does have to do with being the unknown factor. The where do you price rookies? Where do you price second play, you know, second year players? Where do you price players on new teams, systems, et cetera, et cetera? But most of it, if not all of it, is marketing. So a newer player can come into whatever site they're using, FanDuel or DraftKings, Yahoo, whatever, underdog, and the prices are so soft where they feel they can build these superstar lineups, which they can. And they think that the game of DFS is easy. So they put out these big tournaments. They put out win a million dollars, win $2 million, you know, this, that, and the other. It's all marketing, 100% marketing. But you, the new player, because you're listening to the DFS Deli, are going to be smarter than that. And we're going to teach you how to beat that system, avoid those marketing ploys, and get you to where the actual money is. So does that make sense now that I've kind of I've kind of explained that to you? Because the first two weeks of the season, I want to say, is all marketing. And that's when, after that hump is done, the prices get sharper. More analytics are out. And then the hardcore players weed out the, weed out the young. 
That makes that that makes a lot of sense. It's like so you play Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. A lot of the players that or a lot of players that listen to us normally football, football and video games kind of go hand in hand. Remember the term, and it's still a thing. Remember the term Christmas noob. <laughs> yeah. The new Christmas. Call of Duty just came out. <laughs> And all the noobs that haven't played the game before are on because they got Call of Duty for Christmas. That is when you just destroy competition as a veteran player. Because all these noobs are on your servers and you're just slaying that ass. I mean, that's also kind of what happens at the end of the DFS season, right? Everybody gets knocked out yearly, so... Yes. Week week 14, 15, 16, 17 now is, is beautiful. Beautiful for that, because once yearly's over, then like what? Then some of them come flooding back. But the majority of the noobs, week one is Christmas, chill. Week one is Christmas. And I am hyper excited for it. So as veteran players like you and I are, we're ready to take advantage of this system. So are you ready to talk some some daily fantasy sports? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, Yeah, I'm ready. So today's episode, we're going to bring some tips, tricks, lineup building strategies, draft tournament selection strategies that we've applied to our DFS success over the years. And before we jump into that, how how was last season? How was 2021 for you? I mean, 2021 2021 was not bad. Uh, It was was better than 2020. Um, I think you and I both won on the last week of the season, right? Uh, my big one was week 16. No, well, I, it was 17. Was it 17? Yeah, it was 17. I, I thought, I thought we both hit on the last week or second to last week, but I don't know. Both you and I both hit. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I was, I wasn't as much as yours. I think I was, I think I won like 1200, but so I ended the season on a good note. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, last season was pretty favorable. So, um, it was better than my 2020 year where I kind of broke even. So I want to say I was up, I was up a decent amount last year for sure. Yeah. 2021 was very profitable for me because I've kind of narrowed down the strategies that I'm going to talk about today and kind of stuck with it and kind of sharpened those skills. Now it's one of those things where it's like, you can't predict injury. That's going to happen. If someone gets injured in your lineup, it's no fault of your own. It just happens. But if you felt that the process was correct, you built your lineups correctly, you selected the correct tournaments, then you can hang your hat on that and be just fine. So that actually brings me to what I want to talk about first is site selection and tournament selection within those sites and playing the sites completely different now i'm only going to really talk about the two major sites in fanduel and DraftKings. that there are big differences between those sites okay so if you don't realize that you cannot build lineups similarly from fanduel to DraftKings, knowing that you have to play different that's your first mistake right there so chili you're primarily on DraftKings, correct um i will i actually between I will say last year, and again, don't know if this is the way to go. Um, so actually, to go back to 2020, like I played a little bit on FanDuel, and that year I hit pretty big. Like I hit for like five or six hundred on Thanksgiving on FanDuel, and then I hit for like another small amount. And then going last year, I played both sites. 
I halved my my bankroll and the bull sites, and I hit on bull sites. So I don't. Again, I don't know if you want to play bull sites. Um, you know, I might kind of lead more towards Fanduel this year, but we'll kind of see how it goes. I mean, I'm kind of loyal to DraftKings to a fault, but um, <laughs> well, that's the thing though is that if you want to allocate your bankroll to both sites, you have to play both sites differently. hundred percent. So, right. So you know that you don't build lineups for DraftKings according to FanDuel because DraftKings full point PPR, they offer bonuses as well. And the, um, the, the pricing's a little stricter as it were. So those of you who don't know is that full point, uh, PPR is one point per reception. Okay. Whereas FanDuel is half of a point. So those, those low low volume players don't fly on DraftKings, whereas on FanDuel, if you get you know one catch for sixty yards and a touchdown, you're dancing. But on DraftKings, it's meh because you still want to get players that'll have multiple catches, a way to a hundred yards, and you know obviously we still want to get those touchdowns. But certain players don't need to score on DraftKings and still post very high scoring days. So multiple points for receptions, multiple points for getting in that hundred yard bonus, uh, either receiving or ru- or rushing. And then there's certain quarterbacks that can actually be able to hit that rushing bonus. And we'll, you know, when we talk lineup building, we'll get into that. But um, yes, you have to play these sites differently, 100% differently. So it's not a copy and paste approach. It's just not. So throw that out the window. So if you were if you were a new player, Chile, where do you think your money would be allocated? Because I, I let's play devil's advocate. Actually, I want you to stand up for fan, for DraftKings, and I will stand up for FanDuel. So why should a new player lean towards DraftKings if they're going to be allocating their bankroll this year? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to kind of make your argument with. When people kind of ask me which one to do first, I kind of point them towards FanDuel. And only in the sense because the lineup building is a little bit easier. And, and like, I'm trying to think of how I can say this with it making sense. Like, I mean, the pricing softer. It's softer, and your, your research doesn't have to be as thorough if you're a new player playing on FanDuel. Because on DraftKings, you know, you might have to put in, you know, a guy who's 3K, 35K, you know, like, you know, you might have to put in some of these weird players, you know. 3K crappers. Yeah, you know. So, I, I mean, me personally, I always just recommend FanDuel to the new player. Um, you know, Unless they're more, you know, I tell them, I'm like, do you like full, you know, do you, do you want half point PBR or full point PBR for scoring, you know? And, you know, like I, like I generally tell them, you know, um, you know, uh, you don't have to score as high on FanDuel as you do DraftKings, but obviously the scoring's different, so sc- scores will defer. But, you know, you know, there's sometimes on DraftKings, you know, my lineups will put up 180 points and, not even cash. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we, we, we've all been there. So I mean, and again, this this it could very well happen on Fanduel too. But uh, 
you know, as somebody who started off on DraftKings, I I kind of wish I would have probably started on FanDuel, truthfully. Now, starting out on DraftKings made FanDuel easier. I'll tell you, as somebody who was going to DraftKings, you know, worrying about how to make these lineups, it, it made my lineup building a lot easier. On FanDuel, I laugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like I said, the pricing is softer. But at the same time, I feel it's not just the pricing. It the, It's site-specific. It's the player pool. There are a lot sharper players on on DraftKings than there are on FanDuel. Like there's 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 more competition on DraftKings. That's that's a flat out fact than there is on FanDuel. Period. I I would concur. I can't I can't I can't count how many times I've battled it out with uh, Chipotle Attic on DraftKings. Like I mean on, he's man. on FanDuel too. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I haven't seen him. I have not battled it out with him on FanDuel yet. They, they are definitely on FanDuel. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. I mean, let's face it. Any any of those people that are really, really good at what they do are going to be on every site. I think a lot of them are actually getting more hip to Yahoo, believe it or not. But Well, Yahoo <laughs> is really soft at the beginning. I mean, really soft. There are some bad players on fan, or on Yahoo, I should say. Um, I mean, I've never done Yahoo. Could be something I could look into. But, um, but no, like you say, I think you're 100% right. And I, I even think, you know... I tend to see more commercials and advertising for DraftKings than I do FanDuel. Of course there is because it has it's a bigger market. More people play DraftKings because of marketing. Marketing, marketing, marketing. They're the ones that are throwing out the million dollar, million dollar this, million dollar that, two million dollar this, blah, 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 blah. They're the ones doing that. FanDuel has a million maker, but the top prize isn't a million dollars. It's 250K. DraftKings, however. And, and and they have multiple millionaire makers. They yes, have they, they have a what is it a five dollar buy in? There's a hundred dollar level some weeks. There's the twenty dollar one that's the most common. I mean, yeah, it's marketing. It's marketing. So if I were a newer player, if I were a newer player, I would head straight to Fanduel. Yes, and, and like I said, that's what I uh, like. I said um, a lot of people that I do know because like. Um, obviously football and fantasy football is a very popular discussion. It, it, like, obviously I play like a lot of sports, so like it's a discussion and like a lot of people, I can't tell you how many people get recommended to come talk to me about football. I mean, I get people that I don't even know. They're like, Oh, what you know, what site do you want to like? I'd be like, listen, I play on DraftKings, uh, but I kind of made the switch to FanDuel. So I would recommend FanDuel to you. And as you know, I've been grinding out FanDuel for years now. So I am. Uh, well, you started FanDuel. on. You started on. I DraftKings, started right? on DraftKings. You are absolutely and, right. Uh, what was your reason to switch? Success. So I did okay on DraftKings as I was learning the game, but when I switched to FanDuel and became like pretty serious about it, that's when I started seeing that a the competition is a lot lower, and b yes, I was actually winning tournaments i would have you know within a given season multiple top 10 finishes in these tournaments whereas DraftKings, i would hope hope one week that i was like you know in the top 100 in like these bigger tournaments but when my mentality switched and we'll actually get to this next tip right now is tournament selection so on DraftKings, when i first started out you know what i was doing 
I was throwing twenty dollars in the Millionaire Maker. I was throwing forty, fifty dollars, sixty, seventy dollars in the Millie Maker, thinking that all I need is one lineup, bro. One lineup, and, I, and I'll be a millionaire. Listen, the Millionaire Maker is the biggest scam of all time. Agreed. All time, unless unless you can enter all one hundred and fifty of your generated lineups and max enter the Millie Maker. Do not waste your money on the Millie Maker. And I get it. You know, our, our friend um, Dijon is a big advocate of it. Oh, it's a lottery ticket. What if? What if? Well, what if you just burn $20 and then walk away? It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. Why would you waste your money on a tournament you physically cannot win? And I say that because that Millie Maker is the most top-heavy tournament of all time you win a million dollars for first if you finish in second i think it's a half a million um but it's probably less than that so i so as you say marketing DraftKings has not one not two but millionaire makers in week one you got the hundred dollar entry you got the five dollar entry and you got the four thousand four hundred forty four entry so see even so even in the 4K entry, let's just call it for short. Uh, second place is two hundred thousand. Could you imagine being a fractional point away from first, and you just lost eight hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> or uh, or when they go through and rechange the point, or, and give half a point or take away half a point? Yeah. I mean, that could be that could be a difference between finishing in the top five and thinking that you're doing okay to going outside the top 100. That's insane. So tournament selection. So as I think you and I are both on the same boat when it comes to this, and Studer's the exact same way, that we try to enter small field tournaments that have guaranteed prize pools. So is it easier to beat a hundred thousand lineups, or is it easier to beat a thousand lineups? The answer is simple. You beat a thousand lineups. And is it easier to beat the same guy that's entered 150 times, hundred different, 150 different lineups, or is it easier to beat a player pool that only has a shot at one lineup? The answer is clear. It's the single. So single entry small field tournaments are the way to go. In my in my humble opinion, of course. So if someone binks the millie maker, great, lest they be a millionaire. I would rather take the shot at winning $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 on one single entry $100 tournament than I would ever spend five entries at $100 on the Millionaire Maker. It's just it's just logical. It just makes sense. So tournament selection is huge. So are there any other types of tournaments that you like to enter minus single entry? Or is it like you like to focus on, you know, those small field single entry, maybe three max, five max type tournaments? I... I... I I like obviously I like the singles. I think I think we talk about that every year. Um, singles are great. Uh, I have no problem with three entry max. Um, 
I there's so there's a couple of contests on uh because you know me, I play the early only and the afternoon only slates as well. Uh early only has a contest where it's like uh it's a three entry max for twenty dollars a lineup. So like uh so sixty dollars on three lineups and a pretty it's a pretty good prize pool to it. So um I really like that tournament as well for a three entry. Um I'll enter three entry max with only throwing in one lineup. But like, I'm only looking at a, you know, a what a, a field of like a thousand to two thousand people usually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I usually don't tend to go above, you know, three thousand. I probably probably not even like twenty five hundred for like a lineup field. So, um, yeah, I hover around twelve hundred entries. That that's a that's a good that's a good size for me. And also what I've been actually enjoying lately is and I got into it a little bit last year and found some success are the hundred man tournaments that they offer. Just the hundred players, top top twelve cash. I love those tournaments, man. They they actually are um a, a really good pool of players there. Those aren't bad. Right. So it's more so like once you get on that home screen and you see, especially on DraftKings, like you know, obviously they bring those tournaments to the top. You know, they're starred, they're they're flashing at you, you know, they got the big prize pool. Scroll. Like, just 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 keep scrolling. It's basically like you're going to Vegas and it's just like, hey man, play here, play the slots. Exactly. Exactly. You gotta get to that exterior part. That 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 exterior part of the casino where ain't nobody at. Yeah. You know, that's that's where you're trying to win at. You got to go find yourself a nice blackjack table with a team that knows what they're doing. That's right. That's right. And that's what we're trying to implore to you guys. Just just find find that obscure blackjack table because, again, those are where the money is. I mean, a million dollars is nice. Don't get it twisted. But your probability is so low that you might you, you might as well not be playing at all. And I get it. You know, there's more casual people that just want something vested in Sundays. And I completely understand that. But I want my investment to actually have some ROI. (laughs) I want some return. I want some return. I want to continue to win on a weekly basis. And that's the thing about tournaments, though. Tournaments are hard. Don't, don't, Don't get it twisted. Tournaments are hard. However... If you're set up in the proper tournament, you set your lineups correctly, your probability of winning, the chance to win those tournaments goes up significantly. Significantly. Like, again, as somebody that's won GPPs before, just continue to apply the process correctly. And you will be successful more often than you will not be, period. So. Yeah, and um, I mean, and honestly, there would be nothing worse. And I mean, and you know, we've done this with, uh, <laughs> you know, we've done this with our daily doll hair lineups, where you know, where they accidentally hit. Like, can you imagine you enter in a, a contest into the Millie Maker? Let's just say it goes, it goes off the charts, right? Like, so like, on DraftKings, off the charts would be like what a team that's above two hundred points. On a on a decent week, yeah. So let's say like, let's just set the floor at two hundred. Yeah. Right. And like what do you think it would be on FanDuel since that's more of your expertise? Uh FanDuel, I mean, I've won tournaments with like hundred and eighty five. 
Like two, if you get two hundred on Fanduel, your team is the nuts, like the literal okay. nuts. Okay. So this, like, let's just say one eighty, one eighty five. So could you imagine, like, if you have teams and you enter in those contests, like, let's say you have a team in the Millie Maker that goes for two twenty, two thirty, and it wins you like a hundred bucks because in the Millie Maker you need the nuts. <laughs> oh yeah. So like. Again, like there'd be nothing worse than a team that goes off for two thirty in the Millie Maker that only wins you like a hundred bucks. Where if you put that in any other contest, you could be talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Absolutely, absolutely. Like my prime example of that is you know the few seasons ago, like my biggest win so far was when I cleared um, ten thousand bucks on one of my tournaments on Fanduel. That's a great. That's a great day. Is that the Amari Cooper game? That's the Amari Cooper game, baby. (laughs) Yeah, when they played the Eagles? Absolutely. (laughs) Never forget, baby. Never forget. So, you know, I win that tournament. And that that particular week, I just happened to, like, throw a lineup in the Millie Maker. You know, I was young, naive. You know, I've learned my lesson. You'll never see it. You'll never see me enter the Millie Maker again. But that lineup that won the 10,000 bucks won that tournament would have finished 102nd in the Millie Maker for a cool $20. Bruh. So, Bruh. if that doesn't convince you, <laughs> I don't know what will. Yeah, so, I'm- as you get into these higher-stake tournaments, like, you know, you're 25, 50, 100, and, you know, and so on and so forth, because the average person, like the average person that plays DFS listening to a podcast like this is normally your bankroll is probably between, I would say your mid stakes player, probably between like 50 and 500 bucks a week. That's mid stakes, high stakes guys. A, they ain't listening to other people's podcasts. They're, they got their own, they got their own in, you know, Fort Knox of computers and screens and shit. Like they, they got all that stuff. I'm talking to you, the mid stakes player. If you want a chance at continued success, the 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 this is what you need to apply. Like right here, that's your lane. Stay in your lane, okay? The Millie Maker is not your lane. These thousands and thousands and thousands of tournament entries, they're they're not your lane. Now, and I and I I preface that with this: if you want to become a GBP player, a mass multi-entry GBP player, practice at that there's nickel games there's dime games oh the quarters quarters, the quarters were my favorite when we uh when we got uh when we started using fantasy labs and we didn't really know what we were doing yeah practice you can practice on that quarters the quarter lineups were great yeah man you know you mass enter you can max enter a 25 cent lineup for what 35 bucks i think it's cheaper but let me yeah uh, it might be less than that and if you continue to get good at those games, because there's decent prizes in those games, actually. Yeah. You can turn a quarter into 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks real quick. Absolutely. Yeah. So, again, if you want to play these big, big, big tournaments, practice first. Go to the nickel. Go to the dime. Go to the quarter, you know, the quarter arcade. I think that's what they call it on DraftKings. And practice. But for me personally, and like I said, for you and Studer, Baker is weird, so I, I can't even justify what he does. Single entry, single entry, small field, single entry. 
I will beat it into you guys' head until you get the point. So now, who is it? Wow. Any anyway, now that you've selected your site, you've selected your tournament, what do? What now? It's time to build lineups, baby. It's time to build lineups. And if you know anything about the DFS Delhi, you know that we come to you right before kickoff. Saturday nights is the secret menu. Wednesday nights is the main slate. We go over all our core plays, GVP plays, cash game plays, all that good stuff. But you still need to know how to build the lineup because it's not so much who to build the lineup with. It's how you build the lineup. Now, I am a big proponent of the double stack bring back method and a little mini stack in between that lineup. Now, if you don't know what stacking is, here's a brief tutorial on how we stack. Quarterback with one or two of his pass catchers, tight end or wide receiver. And the bring back is defined as a receiver or running back from the receiver, running back or tight end from the other team because you want that game to be one of the higher scoring ones. And if you have those guys that are scoring high in that game, your lineup is correlated enough to propel your lineup past other lineups. Does that make sense? Was that it? Was that a good breakdown of the, the stack, the bring back? Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much, I mean, pretty much nailed it there. So this is how I built lineups. Do you build your lineups similarly, or is there a caveat to those lineups? So now, when I when I started last year, I would say yes, but now that we're moving into this, I don't know if I don't know if you want to call it more more or less of like an era of where, and I don't know maybe if you can relate to maybe some of the podcasts you listen to that were kind of pointing this out. But a lot of the people that I tend to listen to, um, because in the past you would never go quarterback, running back, and wide receiver from the same team. But that was on a lot of winning lineups last year. Um, again, that was just a trend for you know for 2021. Could that be the same trend for 2022? I don't know, but um, that that did have a lot of success. You know, I mean. I had a lineup that did pretty well. I went Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin. You know, you know. I I think another popular one was Cousins, Cook, and Jefferson or Thielen. Well, the Viking stack is always going to be <laughs> <laughs> we always going to be viable. <laughs> we just know we piqued Baker's attention. You know, talking about his favorite team and all. Oh, Justin Jefferson, oh, Vikings. Oh. Yeah, if he fell asleep listening to this podcast, he definitely woke up. Um, right. <laughs> um but so i i'm kind of looking into more of that as well um you know so but normally yes it's quarterback wide receiver bring it back from the other team um although there were I, again I, it was a weird year last year in my opinion in terms of what was actually um, scoring in it like what was making sense in lineups because there are sometimes these contests like they would have like a double stack or a stack and they didn't have a bring back and it worked and I kind of thought to myself I'm like man I gotta do some more research well I feel like more often than not so obviously that doesn't work a hundred percent of the time 
Correct. Obviously. But more often than not, that is the way to go. So I looked at, I went back to my last year's, you know, like week after week after week. And the lineups that I had placed high were the ones I had the balls enough to go double stack, bring back secondary stack. Now, a secondary stack is two players from different game on opposite teams. So let's say, you know, Eagles are playing the Cowboys. Secondary stack in that game, CeeDee Lamb, uh, the Slim Reaper, you know, Devonta Smith, or, you know, Goddard, you know, whoever, Brown, it doesn't matter. That game shoots out, those two players go off, you're good. Your main stack is from another game that's going to be high scoring, unless there, there is a caveat to this. Your quarterback is a running quarterback. It's going to be very rare I double stack Kyler Murray. Correct. It's going to be rare I double stack Jalen Hurts. I would double stack Josh Allen. I, I I would be fine with that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's it's on that it's on that duplicitous edge of you know single double like, you know, but he does it with his legs, et cetera, et cetera. So if you have a pocket passer, you know you're on the Kirk Cousins mold, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I'm fine with that. Bring it back with somebody from the other team because the Vikings defense is trash. So that's more viable, right? So, but again, I think like we can't look at the tournament winners and say, well, that's the way to build the lineup. And I, and I agree, but um, like I said, I just, I I don't want to go off of something that I don't have the information for because I just don't actually know where I had my notebook from last year. Um, But I, I know I did have it to where like, a lot of these guys were mentioning, and it was mentioned like by a lot of you know this sharp DFS players that the way to go was quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and you could bring it back. Um, and that's again, that's only because a lot more you know running backs in the league are becoming pass catchers. I mean, yes, 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 um, absolutely. Which you know goes to I mean, like Herbert um, Eckler, Mike Williams, you know, whatever. So I, right. I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't have the exact like percentages per se, so I don't want to give the viewer something else. But traditionally, you're going quarterback, wide receiver, with a with a bring back. Correct, correct. 100%, 100%. So, but but that's but the but the trend that you'll always see, well, ninety percent of the time is correlation. Correct. Correlation, correlation, correlation. If your lineups aren't correlated, you're you're dead in the water already. Period. And I and I want I don't want to make sure that like, you know, and I think I I, I think Al Zeidenfeld, because I, I really like harp on everything this man says. Like he is probably like the reason I've been so successful in DFS is what he's been saying. And I want to relay this point to people. Like when it comes to quarterbacks, especially because that's where the stack starts, he relates it to, and I and I've brought this up before, but I want to harp on it again that the quarterback's purpose is to bring you the main products. Just like Taco Bell is not there to sell you tacos. It's there to sell you Pepsi products. That's why a taco is 99 cents, but a large Pepsi is $1.80. They don't give a damn about your tacos. 
They're there to sell Pepsi products. Just like Tom Brady is there to sell me Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. That's how that's he led me to these players. That's what he's there for. So when we start getting into individual players, you know, when those shows come out, those episodes come out, I'm not harping on one individual. I'm not harping on one quarterback. Like, this is the way. This is the guy. This is the... No. I'm there because they're there to sell me Pepsi products. I don't give a damn about the taco. I don't. The business doesn't care about the taco. You might give a damn about the taco. <laughs> the business cares not about the taco. They are there to sell you Pepsi products. So you have to get this mentality of, you know, I, I didn't play, you know, Josh Allen and he went off and that's why I lost. No, you didn't play Steph Diggs. He went off. He just happened to go off with Josh Allen. That was your fault. Because you bought out of one thing and was sold on the other. So that that's that's my that's my stance on it. That's my soapbox on it. Build your lineups, correlate your lineups, correlation, correlation, correlation over everything. Period. Period. My next tip is if you can afford these contests, if you can afford them, you can afford a subscription to a credible site. You need information to be successful at DFS. Period. Point blank. It's unavoidable. You put yourself at a disadvantage if you do not have the information that these other players going against you have. I'm talking from projected stats to weather to ownership percentage. That stuff is not free. (laughs) That is paywalled on every site. So if you need, if you have $100 to put it on a tournament, but don't have a subscription service, and I'm not recommending anybody because I ain't sponsored by anybody, but pay the money, whatever site that you feel comfortable with, to use that information to apply to your lineup building process. And Chili, you and I were talking about this off air, actually, like what sites we're going to subscribe to this year because it's that important. It just is. 100%. So I don't, so do your research before the research, <laughs> pick a site that, that that's good for you. Use their, use their projections, use their lineup builders, use whatever you can. It's a tool to be successful. You can't plant a garden <laughs> without a shovel. <laughs> You can try and do it by hand, but let me tell you, it's not going to be that damn successful, okay? You need the tools to win at fantasy football. So please subscribe to whoever it may be. Yeah, and and again, just remember, these sites in the deli, we're not going to give you the answers to the test. It's just not going to happen. We're a resource. We're a resource. You have to take our opinions. You could take other sites' opinions, experts' opinions. You know, you know everybody's going to be wrong. You know, even even the even the people that are really good at this that are better than us, they're wrong on players. You know, so again, do your research. 
you know, trust the old gut, as we call it. Um, yeah, it, it's like literally, it's like trying to take a test without a textbook. That's what it's like. It's taking a college course and testing without the damn textbook. All the information is there. All you got to do is pay for it. And then you have to study it. And then you have to apply it. Subscribe to somebody. Please, for the love of God. Speaking of which, I would take that time out right now to subscribe to the DFS Deli. That's what you should do. 100%. Whatever platform you're listening on, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever your podcasting resource is, just take that second to subscribe. Because this shit is free. This is free. <laughs> uh, where's Chuck Lewis when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> this is a free resource. The smiles are but free. These, these are five bucks. Five bucks. Um, and I, I actually, so now that you know, you subscribe to somebody, you've got the resource for information. I want to let everyone know that. Remember, once you're into these lineup generators, once you're into you know, rankings, articles, opinions, et cetera, et cetera. You still have to put your own flavor into it. You still have to put your own input into it. These lineup generators are not an auto win button. You can't go and take default rankings and default settings, hit generate, and then enter that lineup and think you're going to be successful. It's not going to happen. Okay. You have to tweak everything from your exposures, your 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 ownership percentages. Everything has to be modified to you and what you think the outcome of these games are going to be, the outcome of these fantasy scores are going to be, the outcome of your stacks, your correlations, your st- like you have to be unique. So you have to take all your ownership percentages into consideration. Have to take all the rankings all the projections into consideration, and then make your your adjustments. That is nothing more. Those generators are nothing more than a resource, a tool to be manipulated by you. So don't think you're going to get away with not doing any research. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's a tool. It's a research. It's a resource. Use that wisely and and make adjustments to what you think is going to, you know, what's going to happen and what could propel you to that top 1% of these tournaments. So do you use a generator chill? Um, I do not. I, I, I didn't, I have not used a mass lineup builder in a very long time. I am your traditional, I'm a hand build all these lineups. Oh, you're a hand builder. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a hand builder too, but I like to get, I like to generate first and then tweak. Fair. That's what but... makes sense to me. So like, you know, I'm only entering four or five, six, seven lineups a week. I'll start, I'll start generating, see some commonalities, see if certain things make sense. I'll put my settings in there, you know, double stack, bring back, you know, force this, that, and the other. And then I'll adjust off of that. You know, because a lot of it doesn't take into consideration. And there are sites that do, that that you can, you know, set your max percentages for each player. And then take ownership, collective ownership in consideration and do that. But, like, for me, 
if there's like chalkier players or like, you know, your free square players, et cetera, et cetera, that are consistently popping up and then you don't want that, then you can manually adjust that. And that's what I like to do. I like to go in, see those settings, and then go, oh, you know, let me just tweak this, tweak that, who's playing this, who do I think could, you know, do this, that, and the other. And then I roll from there. So, and I, I definitely implore people to put that strategy out there as opposed to, again, hitting generate, putting in that lineup that it was generated, and then calling it a damn day. I, I just, yeah, you, you got to put your own twist. You got to put your own flavor, your own seasoning on your lineups. You can't just do it exactly what these sites say. You can't do it. Agreed. So, you generated your lineups. It's noon. I'm sorry, it's not even noon. It's one o'clock. Lineups have locked. You're ready to go. All this stuff's kicking off. And it's about 2.30. <laughs> And, and your lineups are dead in the water. Your lineups ain't looking too good. <laughs> what I've what I've read and what I've heard is that less than five percent of tournament fields use late swap. Can you believe that? I, I can believe it. I can believe it. Um, I mean that that doesn't really affect me because I don't. I don't play a lot of main slate lineups. Well, the uh, general public, the general public does play the main slate. 100%. But I can believe it. So, I mean, I, I think every year, man, uh, the uh, all those people harp on the late swap. Yeah. I mean, we say use late swap, use late swap, use late, and no one does it because either they're lazy or they're pissed that their lineup's already failing. You know? So it's like, perfect example last year. If you have players still in that late window that are chalky, so more popular, and your lineup is failing, you stand zero chance of salvaging that lineup. Zero. So you get in at about 3 o'clock, 3.15, and you have those chalky players that are st- that are starting later, and swap those mothers out for somebody that does that is less owned, potentially less owned, and give yourself a chance. So what was it last year um, when Derrick Henry was in the late was in the late window? I can't remember who he was playing, but I know I was at Studer's house with Baker, and a lot of our lineups in the afternoon were failing. And I'm like, what the heck? We looked at the we looked at the late slate. You know, Derrick Henry's on there, blah blah. He was higher priced that week, but no one was playing him. No one. We're like, we have to swap to Derrick Henry. I was like, yeah, like I guess this is what we got to do. So all three of us swapped out whoever we had chalky late to Derrick Henry. And let me tell you, when we saw his ownership percentage, we almost lost our damn minds. Like, in a tournament I was in, he was sub-5. Tournament, I think Baker was in, he was, like, around 5, maybe 4%. You know, same with Studer. And Derrick Henry lost his mind that day. Single-handedly, a late swap saved all of our lineups that day. <laughs> it almost gave Baker a chance to win a tournament. Single-handedly, by hitting the late swap. If you do not utilize late swap, you are playing DFS completely wrong. 
use the late swap. Hundred percent. So those are those are my main foundational tools that I use for my lineups. Correlation, utilize the late swap, subscribe to a credible site that will provide you insider information. You know, like I said, um, projected projected points, projected ownership, lineup generators, everything credible. Use the right site and select your tournaments properly. And don't play the Millionaire Maker. Police! Don't play the Millionaire Maker. Oh, don't do it. (laughs) Submit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So is there any other tips that you can think of off the top of your head? Because we're going to continue to sprinkle these in as we're talking more DFS. They're going to continue to come. But I'll just um, your head for right now. Well, so like, um, as I mentioned previously, I'm not somebody who does a lot of the main slate. So if you want to, you know, let's just say like, again, I do a lot of early only and afternoon only, which, you know, it sometimes it takes a lot of chalky players out of your lineup builds. And sometimes it makes even more chalkier players even more owned right because you're playing in a smaller player pool so like for example week one if you do early only you are eliminating the chiefs cardinals game you don't even gotta worry about it so again now note players in that window will become more chalkier depending on which slate you're playing but if you want to you know make your player pool smaller you know, maybe try an early only lineup, try an afternoon early lineup, you know, maybe you do early only and your lineup's hitting and you say, Hey man, I'm going to throw in an afternoon only lineup. Or if you could be like me and your early only busts out and you really go ham on afternoon only. <laughs> sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, and let me jump on that. Cause week one is actually the perfect example. I mean, we're coming up obviously on week one and all the bombs all your high-scoring games are in the late window. Like, literally, we'll talk about this when we talk about our week one plays. As for the main slate, I can guarantee you, almost guarantee you, that 99% of my players will be after 4 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, again, we could break down these games. This Chiefs-Cardinals game is sitting at a total of 53. We got Minnesota and Green Bay. Is sitting at a total of 48. Chargers Raiders is sitting at a total of 52. The yep, only, those are your bombs. The only dud game is the Giants at the Titans. And that game still has Derrick Henry in it. So. <laughs> yeah. So, like you said, if you're scared of those four o'clock bombs, play afternoon only. Just sprinkle in some afternoon. If you're scared of fading everybody at four o'clock, Throw in some afternoon only because those players aren't in your pool. So again, if it's 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 called hedging. It's hedging. So if there's guys late that you don't want to play, just play afternoon only or play late only. Whatever you want to do. There's so many different tournaments out there to adhere to your game. Period. Like one hundred percent. And it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny because like I think 
Yeah, it was. So it was it was our tournament. Uh, it was our tournament winning week or like a big week because I didn't actually win my tournament. I finished in second. But you won an afternoon or afternoon only slate, correct? Correct. The lineup that placed second for me later on that night, I had zero players in the afternoon. <laughs> I, I was asleep. I'm like, I, I have no vested interest in anybody right now. All my players start at four o'clock. That whole that whole roster. I was in dead last <laughs> going into four o'clock. And then whoop. Yeah, I can remember um this would have been a couple seasons ago, but like I had an early my early only lineups, I mean bobbed. Like uh like I'm pretty much safe to say like I lost like easy three hundred on early only, right? Just completely bombed. So what you don't want to do is what I did here is say, you know, basically screw it. I'm going to enter in afternoon only lineup. And then I had an afternoon only lineup hit for like 2K. Because Julio <laughs> because Julio Jones caught a touchdown at the buzzard for the Falcons. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, again, you know, you could do some early only. And if it hits, great. You know, maybe you say you cut your losses and you just end the day on that. Or, you know, if it doesn't hit, you go to afternoon only. Or if it does hit, maybe you say, hey, man, maybe I'll, you know, do a higher price lineup, you know, one lineup for afternoon only. Like, yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Tournament selection, tournament selection, tournament selection. Take your time in those lobbies and pick the correct tournaments. Because, again, a million dollars is a great payday. But I'm not going to scoff at 10K. Okay? I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, I'm not scoffing at 500 bucks. You ain't wrong. <laughs> I'll take them wins when I get it, baby. You are not wrong. But I just want to thank everybody for giving us the time of day to listen to our podcast. We got so many more episodes coming up. We're going to talk. We're going to talk yearly fantasy again with our do's and don't drafts to finish you up through those redraft seasons. And when we get after this last preseason game, right before the week starts, everything's in place. We can start building lineups and giving out our picks for the main slate. Oh my God. I I am so pumped. I'm so pumped. I already, I already told Baker my picks at the bar. Actually, I just have a team. I'm just playing a team in week one. (laughs) The team. I, it's it's almost a full team. I mean, well, it's pretty much three people from the said team. Oh boy, save the spice, save the spice, save the I, spice. They'll, they'll give them the goods. Make them tune in. Damn it, make them tune I, in. I will make them tune in. <laughs> well, anyway, chill. Grab that mop bucket, man. Yeah, it's man. Time to go ahead and clean up the shop. Actually, you probably, don't want, you probably don't want me mopping. I'm more of a sweep kind of guy. Well, you know, it, it's just us two. You know, it's Saturday night. So, I mean, you know, it's busy, but, you know, yeah. we, we still clean up a little bit. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's lock the doors. Let's put on our uh, put on some white tees and, uh, you know, we got to get the lights off on court, too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and close up the shop on that note. And as always, we'll see you all at the top. Thank you so much for listening. Peace, like, and subscribe.